good game. And welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? I didn't give this to you on Sunday night's recording, but here we go. Your Bearcats are number two in the country, and your basketball Bearcats currently have the 13th ranked recruiting class in the nation. It is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat sports fan. Indeed, it is. Well done. You recovered well, bounced back strongly. Uh, one of our more popular episodes in recent history uh, featured you kind of forgetting your own introduction, which is, I think, the first time that's ever happened. Nonetheless, we didn't forget it. We were just given we were given props to Jerome Ford on his four TD uh, Heisman of the Week performance. I'm going to call it Heisman of the Week performance. His performance was so profound and overwhelming; it left you unable to fully cope with the emotions and thoughts and uh, just overall, I mean, what's the word I'm looking for here? You, you were feeling it in your, in your plums. You were (laughs) coursing through my veins, you know, the way he was just, he was projecting this aura, this, this, this feeling of feed me more, feed me the ball more, more. And I'm just like, feed me more Ford, feed me Ford. Jerome Ford was was absolutely transcendent against Central Florida, but we are not going to revisit that topic this week. In fact, we are going to dedicate some time here today, Hummer, to to the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team. Yes. I would say when you think about the origins of this podcast and the way we started it and then the fact that it was actually a Bearcat basketball podcast uh, when we started, you know, I guess it's no longer the Bearcat basketball podcast, but it was a Bearcat basketball podcast. Um, It's, it's surprising to me that we're about three weeks out. I think the season is 20 days away, technically. Um, And I know it is because we, we shouted out Mamadou Diara today on, on Twitter. We're less than three weeks away from the season starting Hummer. And we're doing right now together, our first preview episode. And we we, the first, when we first started, we did that in August. We started in August, right? We would preview (laughs) (laughs) the origin of this podcast is previewing the season for nine weeks. That's what we used to do. Uh, But this Bearcats football team has been completely overwhelming. They deserve all of the attention, all of the accolades. They're number two in the country. You cannot avoid talking about them at every turn. And I, I think that's totally appropriate. But given where we are as a basketball program with Wes Miller at the helm, taking over for a, a fired John Brandon, a ton of roster turnover, a, a team where I think coaches in the American athletic have picked them to finish sixth in the conference, which is lower than you would normally expect a Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team to be, to be picked. It's sort of, it's, it's a hard reset. It's a team of, of new faces, old faces, a lot of experience, but not a lot of time and experience playing together. I think that leads leads us to having a very interesting team. And so despite the, despite us not having the highest expectations 
at least from a media and coaches standpoint, I think fans, your expectations might be different. I do think that the consensus is people are very, very, very excited about this team. And there's a lot of cautious optimism about this team. And so I think today, as we talk about it, you can, you can sort of give your feedback about why you are personally excited, but I think we should start today by describing where the optimism comes from, but also like, what do we have caution about? Where's the caution coming from as well? So before we get into that, why are you so excited about this team? Cause I know you personally are based on conversations we've had. Well, let's, let's take this conversation back to 2019 real quick. And I'm only going to spend like 30 seconds here on this, but 2019 was the final year of Mick Ronan, And he left us at a respectable 29 in the Kempom rankings. That season afterwards, we return the reigning conference player of the year. And John Brannon finishes at, I'd, I'd give it a respectable, but still an embarrassing 44. Okay. Still something to work with. Right. And then in 2021, as John Rothstein accurately put it, Brannon took us to an all time low, an all time low, 116, abysmal, atrocious, walking off the court in disdain for his players, for the city, an absolute embarrassment. He's fired. We celebrate. We bring in. <laughs> we did. I did. All right, fine. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. We celebrated. I was happy he was gone. He was not trending in the right direction. But I said, I'm only spending 30 seconds on that. We're now into the optimism here. Wes Miller is picking up the program quite literally where John Brandon left off at an embarrassing 117 in Kempom. Let me show you, tell you who is higher than us in Kempom right now. Temple. Fucking Temple. <laughs> okay? It's going to yes. leave it at that. You are, so, you, are, you are so sensitive to Temple in general. I am. Temple really just rubs you the wrong way. They're, they're, yeah, they're, I've been to their games. They're, they're not well attended. Their, their, their stadium in football is, is literally two miles and a 30-minute subway on the, the dirtiest subway in the history of the world all the way down to South Philly. They play at an NFL stadium where they can't even get 5,000 fans, actual fans, not ticketed, actual fans in the stands. I'm embarrassed when Temple is 10, 10 steps ahead of us in the Kempom rankings, but here's why I'm excited. I, I don't know why it took me this long to realize this Temple thing is totally just a Philadelphia problem you have with them. This is totally a, I lived in Philadelphia for five years, and this is this is the team that I truly hate. No, I, I, I don't like them too, because I remember back in their A-10 days, I feel like sometimes, and this may be just a figment of my imagination, uh, where they would play us, and maybe like upset us or give us a fuss or always be like a tough team. And you know what? I just don't like that. All right. I don't like it. Whatever. doesn't matter. My optimism here comes from Wes Miller coming in and kind of giving us in his opening press conference, his opening remarks more than just your, your typical coach speak, which I am. We are now learning his coach speak is just um, it's unique. It's filled with a lot of uh, old timey, uh, Grandpa, things my grandpa would say, you know, like uh, iron sharpens iron, be the hammer, and then be ready to be the nail. I love it. I love it. I'm all about it. Um, but what gets me excited about it too is he he immediately comes in 
and he does something that we weren't expecting. Maybe if I'm wrong, call me out on it. I wasn't expecting the, the, the transfers that he brought over. He brought in people who, who knew his style, who knew his culture. And he, that seems to be the thing he's establishing first culture and identity, which are the two things that we missed in the two thankfully short years that John Brandon's reign lasted. We've missed that culture and identity, and I'm glad that Wes Miller's bringing it back. And that culture doesn't necessarily just start with who transferred in and what players he got to come to Cincinnati or who he convinced to return to the University of Cincinnati. It really started with an amazing first press conference, which the big takeaway there is fired up. Everybody's fired up. I'm fired up to be here. I walked into this arena. I, 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 I can feel it. I can feel the history. I watched Cincinnati from afar as a kid. Uh, I know what this program's about, the toughness, uh, the defense, Huggins, Cronin, everything he said. He, he nailed it. He understood, at least verbally. We heard it in, in spoken word. We heard that he understood what the University of Cincinnati basketball program was supposed to be about. But then what we saw after that was not a lot of – we saw action behind it. We saw that it wasn't just – coach speak it wasn't just a a new coach who's trying to generate some enthusiasm and convince fans that he gets it even though behind the scenes maybe he doesn't I mean he's he's reached out and engaged Bearcat basketball alumni in a way that we just simply haven't seen in, in years you know he's got and th and this is a this is an alumni who upon his hiring, were quite skeptical of the hire because Eric Barton was strongly considered for the job. Uh, he ended up not getting it. They brought in a guy who was outside the family, uh, a North Carolina graduate, uh, a guy who is historically not the type of coach who we would have brought in here uh, to UC and doesn't necessarily have the Midwestern ties we're accustomed to, but he reached out to them immediately. He prioritized the, the alumni immediately, which to me is prioritizing the culture because these are the players who built the culture of Cincinnati Bearcats basketball. Um, I think that was huge for him. I think it was huge for Wes Miller uh, from a just winning the offseason standpoint. Everything we're talking about with Wes is all about offseason. We haven't actually seen him coach games for the Bearcats. Uh, we know he did a heck of a lot of winning at UNC Greensboro. But we're also well aware this is an entirely different animal. Cincinnati Bearcats basketball has higher expectations tougher competition, uh, and just, you know, a, a history of winning that you don't necessarily deal with at a, at a school like UNC Greensboro. So I think these series of events that started happening in the offseason, and then you pair it with recruiting and filling out the roster and, and, and these other promotions about, you know, Bearcat air and, and doing, doing a lot of, uh, a lot of engagement on social, like letting people see practices again. Letting, letting videos go out of, of players working out and seeing the camaraderie and seeing the, the culture firsthand for fans. I think all of this pieces together as a, as a coach who came in and just did a hell of a job winning, winning back a fan base that was, was quite, I would say, almost disjointed toward the end of last season. I mean, that's the, the perfect way to say it. He came in. And he backed up his words. The biggest thing, and you hit this, what he did was reaching out to the former players. We heard about the call that he did. Uh, he was, he's in the car. He's in, he's being driven around. He's in the car and he's doing a zoom meeting 
and he has all the former players, not just players though. He has former managers, you know, our friend of the podcast, Corey sent on the call, right? They're, they're in there, not just players. He's reaching out to people who were involved with the program in the past on there. And then they even, they even call him out about, you know, former players, coaching staff. And he's like, I'm going to give everybody a chance. And he just, he gets more than a chance. We have two former players. If I'm wrong, they're more Kyle Washington and DeMar Johnson. Is there anybody else on the staff I'm missing? Well, you're putting me on the spot. I don't think so. I think those are the, two, those are the two former players that are, that are part of the coaching staff for the Cincinnati Bearcats. And it's great to see that. We know that's something that, that DJ was going after for a long time. It's one reason he moved to Cincinnati was from Cronin, you know, being on the one to be on the, and Cronin wanted him on the staff. And so and when, he was, when, and he was on Cronin's staff that final season. And then Cronin leaves. And so he's kind of left in limbo. And you would think that'd be a natural, something that Brandon would want to take, but he didn't, but really, really impressed by Wes Miller with what he's doing. And then on top of that, from the recruiting front, he comes in and just kind of actually not unlike Brandon in this case, he crushed his first recruiting class. Brandon did. He did. We're, we're going to witness the, we're bearing the witness of the fruit that he did bring us. He brought us Mike Saunders jr. He brought us Jeremiah Davenport. He, he brought in good players, but Wes Miller didn't skip a beat with that either with bringing us Daniel Skillings, Josh Reed and Sage Tolentino. That's a great recruiting class right now sits at number 13 in the nation. Uh, by by a bunch of different websites. So that's great. I'm excited. But Coomer, I'm going to ask you the question first. What makes you, so we're, we're talking about optimism from, from Wes. What makes you optimistic about what's going to happen on the court? Right. We need to talk now, not necessarily about what's happened in the off season, but if you're going to be optimistic about the team, it's going to come down to their potential on the court. And I don't think that, I don't think I look at this roster and say hope is lost. We're projected sixth in the conference. There's no upside. I don't actually look at it like that at all. I think that most teams, coaches, media, they probably don't know really what to think about the Bearcats. If I'm, if I'm assessing why I'm most optimistic about this team and, and the roster makeup at this point in time, it's defensively the upside is very, very high. We're coming off a season where our defense was anchored by Chris Vogt. And Chris Vogt was a lot of things, but a defensive stalwart. I am. <laughs> a defensive stalwart, he was not. This is not someone who could protect the rim at seven foot. Um, he wasn't great off ball with helping. He wasn't uh, quick. He who, wasn't who able replaces, to. Who's replacing Chris Vogt? So Chris Vogt is basically being replaced by a graduate transfer. Abdullah Doe, who is one of the greatest shot blockers in college basketball. And at the center position, he is backed up. We're anticipating he is backed up by Hayden Koval, who is following Wes Miller from UNCG, who is also a top three shot blocker in college basketball. I think Hayden Koval actually might grade out even more positively than a Doe in terms of shot blocking rates. But again, these are two guys who are two of the most elite shot blockers in the country. And so when you're designing a defense and you're funneling guys to the rim or, or teams get to the rim, they're going to be de deterred simply by the presence of these two young men. So first and foremost, those two players in particular give me a ton of optimism about, about what we can do defensively and raising our ceiling on that end. And, and they're not alone in terms of being players with, with defensive impact and defensive upside. Um, Odie Oguama, one of our biggest losses this past season was Tari Eason. One, in my opinion, one of the most exciting freshmen to, 
to arrive at UC in, in some some time, probably since Jaron Cumberland. It's a shame. It is a shame that he left. I feel like if he would have stayed, I think he he had room for a, shar, a star to shine really big here. Uh, I don't know what made him choose LSU. I wish him nothing but the best in his future endeavors. But um, if he happens to listen to this, uh, wish you would have stayed, buddy. But good luck. And that concludes our Tari Eason talk. Tari Eason is essentially being replaced by Odio Guama, a transfer from Wake Forest, 6'9", 225. Again, Wake Forest played in the ACC, high-level prospect, high-level player, um, a guy who isn't necessarily, you know, that doesn't necessarily have the skill set of Atari Eason, but he's 6'9", very good athlete, very good rebounder, can also, you know, defend, block shots, steal. What you're starting to see and what I'm starting to envision is a team that has the front court, the size in the front court, especially. And, and we don't, and Victor Locken is a complete unknown, but we know the size is there. And we know that AJ McGinnis and Wes Miller, both last week during AAC Media Day, um, are making conf- uh, comments that seem to insinuate like this guy is doing some things on the court that that you don't expect and that you don't see every day. So I think that front court is the first reason on the court that I'm very, very optimistic about what this team can be defensively. It's going to be very traditional uh, from a Bearcat perspective of being defense first. It's going to be tough to score on us every single game. Well, that's also what gives uh, that's what gives me optimism. Opt- optimism here is that we are going to be very, very tough defensively. We've already seen when Jeremiah Davenport wants to lock lock down and lock in. We've we've seen what the speed that can be challenging for defenders with Mike Saunders Jr. You know how he can stay in, if he wants to if he really takes it to task and keeps guys in front of him. Very can be a very tough defender. Uh, so we're going to be very tough. We're going to be tough on that side of the ball, which is good on that end of the court. I guess you could say <laughs> we're going to be a challenge for these players, which is why I think that that six uh seed or rating or whatever they think we're, the, the coaches picked us to finish is wrong because if we've seen anything from Bearcats like past to give us any indication of the future is that when we play great defense we're typically going to finish in the top three in the conference and actually that's where my optimism kind of lies is that I don't think we're necessarily going to win the conference I think we have a very tough Houston team still that's that deserves all the respect in the world uh, that they've earned it. Uh, but I definitely think that we are capable of finishing uh, in that second, third at the, at the low end of, of, of expectations for. I like that the bar is being raised. I'm not going to hold you to any predictions until that final episode before the basketball season, we're going to go Fair through enough. the schedule. We're going to pick our records game by game. We're going to make our, our final prediction in terms of where we finish in the conference and whether or not we, we make get the, the expedition the get exhibition games in, in, in play. <laughs> yeah, whether we make the NCAA tournament that Bob Huggins apparently wants to to make a relic of college sports. He he likes he, Bob Huggins, by the way, is is big business sports. Apparently, he's a Super League uh, type advocate, which uh, we probably should have got into. into. Don't it, let me don't let in. me divert the podcast. But yeah, hold on, hold on. We're gonna we're, all right. Five minutes. We're gonna do five minutes on this. We're in, baby. We're in. Bring it on. I'm fine with it. You know who it leaves out? He said power conferences. You know who's not a power conference? The Big East. Xavier, go play in your NIT with your mid-majors because that's what you really are. 
I think you are absolutely high if you think that a, it's not a good for the sport. Major only tournament, whatever you want to call it, that Bob Huggins is kind of speculating on. If you don't think that's going to include Villanova, Georgetown, and uh, and the Big East in general, I think you are you are greatly mistaken. But I will say this: I mean, do you like the NCAA tournament? Do you see it still as one of the best sporting events in the world? Is it the best sporting event in the United States every year? I agree with you a hundred percent being facetious when I, when I say I like Bob Huggins proposal, because one of the best things about the NCAA tournament is the bubble. It's about teams like um, trying to, trying to think of the good example here. And I can't think of it. Who did uh, Steph play for? Uh, David Davis. You've got Davidson. You've got, Davidson. You've got um, oh, sheesh. I mean, you've got the Virginia one seed, 16 seed upset. You get, You've got Northern Iowa in the past. Le- have- Lehigh beating number two Duke. You get you get all these teams that like they that's what they play for, right? You play to win your conference championship to get in the tournament. You get rewarded for it, and you get to have fun. And I love that aspect of the tournament. And if you took that away, it definitely takes away from some of the fun of it. Because at the end of the day, you know all these teams are going to get in. So every yeah, that what- means in in a world where. Who is the worst team historically in basketball? In the in the uh, what's the worst big basket like power conference basketball? Would that be the SEC? Oh, the worst conference that is a bit like a big basketball basketball school? from like from the Power Five. What's the worst basketball conference? It's it has to be either Pac twelve or or SEC. I would imagine. I think that's Alabama. A Alabama is usually pretty deep, not or pretty bad at bat. Ole Miss is usually pretty bad at basketball. I was going to say Alabama is now a great team. Like right now, they have they right now. I know it's a bad, a bad example, but like Ole Miss is historically not a great basketball program. Who cares? They're automatically in every year for being terrible. Hummer, we've heard about this months ago. We talked. I know about, we did. We talked about that interview we heard uh, with John Skipper on the Levitard show, where he basically he he. He laid the groundwork (laughs) like he basically predicted that this was going to be the move you would see from college uh, from colleges to say these big schools to say we're going to we we know there's a lot more money to be had if we just consolidate this into our club, our club of five, five conferences, six conferences, whatever it ends up being, they can basically monopolize the money. It's kind of he was speaking as someone from the perspective of a suit. You know, a guy whose job it is to to make I was as about much to do the, money I was about as to, possible. I was about to do the same thing, <laughs> right? So, I don't know if you're one of the competitors and you're a guy like Bob Huggins who has been, uh, you know, I don't know, had it had racked up four hundred something wins at the University of Cincinnati in a conference like Conference USA. Um, I don't know. It seems like you might want to have some sort of self awareness as to the value of letting other conferences partake in this magical sporting event that generates billions of dollars every single year already. Again, billions of dollars. When it got canceled, would they say, would they lose $900 million? Like, come on, Bob, pull it together. Don't be such a greedy bastard. My Lord. Uh, I, I, it makes me upset. It just makes me it's, upset. It's the it's the nature of college sports that makes you upset then because it is about the Benjamins and that's what it's all about. Look, at the end of the day, you know that your conference gets all of its members in, meaning you get more money. 
every every school there knows every year they're going to get so they get more money so you take those billions of dollars and it's the same 64 schools that get it every year instead of having to share it with the little guys so no longer do you have a 16 seed being taken over by the winner of the Sun Belt conference you no longer have uh the well, god i can't think of this this the college i love this conference the north in the northeast either way you don't have lehigh valley lehigh college taking over a spot in 16 in the 16 seed you have vanderbilt taking over a 16 seed you have old miss taking over a 16 seed you have uh k-state because uh now we're conference we're gonna be conference foes they suck there you have them taking over a 16 seed actually that would be i'm sorry central florida taking over 16 seeds and tcu they would both have 16 seeds. They're terrible. Um, their history is garbage between the two of them. I think they have a total of 10 or less NCAA tournament appearances, period. Um, you can check my stat. I, I, I looked that up the other day. It is like less than literally 10 between the two of them. Um, Hummer, you're, you're being, you're being very, you're being very pragmatic about this. Like I understand what you're saying that Benjamin, I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm just saying that that's, that's the, the logic behind it is the money. Well, I get it. Cash is king. We, I understand that. But at the same time, like we're letting them off the hook. If our default is to just say, well, Hey, that's just the way things are. And you got to make as much money as possible. So uh, I guess we just need to let these schools lock in millions upon millions of dollars every year and not actually have to compete for spots in the biggest tournament in the country. Like what are we doing? Compete, earn your way into the tournament. You don't just get the handout of millions of dollars because you you're a part of a certain club get the hell out of here it's ridiculous don't let him off the hook with the it's just about the benjamins like that's that is weak it's we're doing that far too often fortunately europe completely revolted against that mentality with the super league and soccer they saw it and said we don't care that you're the biggest revenue generators in the world we don't care that you make the most money this is a sport it's competition there's history involved you don't just get to change the rules so that you get to make even more money. Again, there's already billions of dollars being generated in this. We have to say enough is enough and push back on this bullshit of an idea. And it's unfortunately coming from an, an absolute icon, a legend of the University of Cincinnati, someone I love and, and adore, but he's completely off the mark here. Let, 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 me, let me take a step back from my pragmatism here. All right, let me be an unabashed fan of college basketball for a few seconds here. Okay. And then we're going to get back to the Bearcats. Then we're going to get back to the Bearcats here. This started years ago. It's been going on forever with the, the never ending cycle of greed, the Gordon geckos of college sports getting together and saying, who are we going to raid next? Is it going to be the big East? Conference USA, the American, whoever's next. Fuck them. All right. It's time to say no, because at the end of the day, what makes the NCAA tournament so special is what we've already mentioned. It's the bubble, the chase for the bubble. And look, we've been in that race before, right? We've been in that situation where we are the team that is cheering that we made it off of. A the last win of the season we've been there we've experienced the excitement and that's fun now we don't like being in that situation honestly 
but it is fun. It makes it makes the it makes the selection so fun, even though they drag that thing out way too long. But like the other part that's fun about the the NCAA tournament is is, is honestly figuring out where you're going to play. My favorite NCAA tournament memory ever is also the year that is my worst memory ever. But it's watching the University of Cincinnati get picked. I think it was a were we a two seed, three seed? Correct, two seed. Two seed in Nash. And as soon as it came up, and we saw we saw Virginia get picked one, and we saw that we were two. We knew exactly what fucking region we were in. Sorry, what freaking region we were in. And we knew we were going to Nashville, and we knew we were going to have a party in Nashville with Bearcat fans. And that is what's fun. Because in that same year, Virginia lost to a USMBT team. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember the damn acronym of the team. And But that's what's fun about it, is that that gets to happen. And it's not going to be as fun when that 16 seed happens to be UCF, and they knock off a one. It's not going to be as fun. It's not going to be as fun because we all have the same resources. We all have the same opportunity to do what, what is being done there. Those schools that are pulling those upset, Lehigh does not have the same resources as the last member of the ACC. They don't have it. They don't. Ha- they have a gym that probably holds less than 5,000 individuals, probably less than two. They probably have a play in a, a high school-looking gym, and they beat Duke. That is what I love about the NCAA tournament is that it's hope. It inspires hope, and I, I want to see that continue. Well said, sir. That's And that's the thing, Hummer. You're speaking from your heart. You're speaking from a place of love for college basketball. And at the end of the day, Huggins was citing what college football does as justification for basketball being able to do it. Most fan bases in college football are miserable because we usually don't have any sort of genuine opportunity at competing for a title or a magical run. College football is its own beast and it generates even more money than basketball and it does do very well for itself, but it does have quite a bit of, it has a fatal flaw in terms of the actual competition part uh, in terms of uh, competing for the title at the end of the year. There's, there's a lot of questions and controversy year in year out about who deserves what and who should have been playing for it. College basketball is different. College basketball is more pure it does have a much more authentic competition feel to it. Uh, and hopefully they don't, they don't abandon that, but we got way off track there and I am going to bring it back and to sort of summarize, uh, not summarize, but wrap up the, the optimism part about on the court. All I wanted to make sure I mentioned was that defensively, it isn't just our bigs. You started hitting on it. And I think it's incredibly important to note that our backcourt and our guards and our wings have a lot of defensive upside as well. Mike Saunders Jr. and David DeJulius are two ferocious on-ball defenders. We saw Mike John Mike Saunders Jr. Uh, wreak absolute havoc on guards in the in the American Athletic Conference last season, especially in the tournament. Like his his ability to defend and check and press full court, like I think that is unique. It is special, and it may, it becomes that much easier to do that and have that type of aggression when you've got Abdullah Doe behind you, or when you've got Hayden Caval behind you. So watch out for that. Um, who's the, who's the best, who do you think's uh, the best on ball defender? So I think those two guards are special, again, but, not holding, not holding anything against you once again, because uh, yeah, sure, I'll answer the question. I think both of them are special 
in that they they have quickness, they have strength. Uh, they're both lower body wise, they're incredibly strong, and that's that's a huge factor in being a good on on ball defender. But they're both also about six feet tall. So I'm looking out for two guys in particular to be to be really really special for us. Micah Adams Woods, we've seen in the past his length gives gives teams fits. Uh, when he's dialed in and locked in and playing his best basketball, he's an elite defender. And Brandon talked a lot about making him an all-conference defender. We didn't see it last season. We also saw his role offensively change a lot. And I think sometimes when you're uncomfortable offensively and you're not quite sure what your role on the team is, that can trickle into how you play defensively as well. So I'm hoping that we get a Micah Adams-Woods as a junior defensively who's who's going to be top in the conference, one of the best defenders in the conference. John Newman third, a transfer from Clemson, by all accounts, is a ferocious defender. And he's bigger than Micah Adams-Woods. He's just as long, very quick, gets after it on that end. I think when you look at those, those four guys, Micah Adams-Woods, John Newman third, DeJulius and Saunders Jr., you have four very, very, very good on-ball defenders. And so there's a lot of pieces here that make sense and should allow Wes Miller, who is, by by, by the way, a defense-first, uh, that's really where he puts his emphasis from a coaching perspective. I think that bodes well for us being able to compete game in, game out, even against teams that have more, you know, quote-unquote offensive talent, uh, like Illinois, uh, like potentially Arkansas, uh, like like Memphis, like Houston, so on and so forth. I don't so want to jinx it. You're picking the Bearcats in the Illinois upset. I, I like I like where you're going yeah. with that. I, I like that. that. I guess that's exactly what I said. But um, <laughs> I don't no, know. I'll, ta- I'll take you on that pick. I'll, I'll I'll take that with you. I'm I'm all for that. I like that. <laughs> well, if you remember, I mean, we got boat raced by by Houston twice. Twice a season. We we lost by almost forty twice, and it's because we had no ability to stop anyone. We lost by a football score. Right. We that shouldn't happen to the Bearcats this season, based on how the roster is currently constructed. So if I'm looking at the optimism, it's big for me that this roster is made up of guys who are going to defend their asses off. There, there's, there's one thing I've been like dying to kind of get out there, and I want, I just want to shut this down. Rob Banks is not going to lose his scholarship next year because they're not going to like take his scholarship away. So everybody's been saying that stuff on Twitter. Knock it off. All right, we're not giving up Rob Banks scholarship to make room for another recruit. It's not happening. He's earned his spot on the team. He's stuck it out. He's a part of the culture. Let it go. Now, how do you know that, though? How do I know that? Because we're we're a school that has freaking ethics. Uh, we're we're not Alabama who kicks kids off scholarships for getting for getting uh, injured. All right. That's what that's what Alabama does. Like if you're on the football team and you get an injury and you can't play football anymore, they will kick you off scholarship and not even give you an academic one. We've talked about this on past podcasts because it's something that the Big Ten is is like known for is when you do get injured and you can't play sports anymore. They give you an academic scholarship and it's up to you to keep it. We're not going to kick Rob Banks off off the team, essentially, because that's just the wrong thing to do. No, but he came here as a walk-on, so I don't know. But he was given a scholarship, and they're not going to take it away from him. There's still it's not happening. There's still tons of financial benefit to come from having one year covered, which he's going to have covered this year. I don't know the inner workings of maybe he's a guy it's not who's. Gonna, it's, I don't know. Maybe the, that would be. The, you have no idea the, what his personal situation is. It's what not going to happen. Not a problem. Like, what if that? 
he came to Cincinnati as a walk-on knowing that he wasn't going to be getting a scholarship, right? And he gets offered one, and then, no, I'm sorry, your senior year, we're going to take that away. So you can either transfer or pay full tuition. <laughs> I think Not been, happening. I think gonna, that's been, the shittiest way you could put it. It's not going to happen. I know what you're saying, and I, I don't want to see him have a scholarship ripped from his you know, hands. It's not going to be ripped from him. I, I, this, I believe in the character of our coaching staff that it's not going to happen. No, but you're setting it up that if he doesn't have a scholarship next season, that Wes Miller is some cold hearted, you know, killer, some shitty, you know, this is, this is unethical. That would be, that would be cold hearted to give him a scholarship your first year and rip it away. And I don't think Wes is cold, cold hearted. So my prediction is my prediction is Rob Banks is on scholarship his senior year. <laughs> that's that's my prediction. I, I, I don't have, I don't have a, a, a horse in this race. I'm just simply pointing. I just don't out. like people. Like I don't like how people. No, you're on missing. Like you're, out. I don't they, think they you're acknowledging. Like, oh well, they're, they're gonna. Here's what's gonna happen. They're gonna take Rob Banks' scholarship away so they can make room for for another recruit. Like you're basically being like, oh, so you because we know that we don't know this, but we kind of know. We've seen we've seen a handful of games of Rob Banks. We know that he's not the uh, typical University of Cincinnati basketball player who's going to see significant playing time. He came here as a walk-on. Like, he's exactly right. what you want a walk-on to be. In fact, so now, I would argue he's better than the average walk-on based on size and, and ability to defend, potentially. Like, he has more upside than your normal walk-on. Right. My point being is, though, that the way people talk about it is, oh, take away Rob Banks' scholarship so we can add another player. They're not just going to take away a scholarship to add another player. That's not going to – I just don't see that happening. So I'm going to just stop that right there and say, let's stop talking about that because <laughs> okay. frankly, that's something really shitty to be talking about. You're right. I don't like your, I agree with you 100% there. Like as a fan, I'm not going to sit here like game theorying out. Well, we can get another guy. If we, if we pull the scholarship from Ron Banks, that's not our call to make. That's not, we don't have nearly enough information to just be like willy nilly throwing scholarships around and treating this like truly as like, well, Basically, you're just cutting the guy. I, I do agree with you there. That's what I'm saying. I, that's what you're saying. But what you're not, you're setting this up, Hummer, as if if that transpires where he doesn't have a scholarship anymore, that it factually means that we're shady as a program. I don't think you're leaving open the possibility of a mutual agreement because maybe he was comfortable coming here and paying full tuition in the first place. I, I have no idea on that. At some point, reading the tea leaves, which is what we do, we do read tea leaves. You, you're here. You get offered a scholarship. And whether it, then to have it just be like, oh, next year it's gone. Well, then that's a really weird deal. Why? If I were, if he I was were a walk-on who was offered a scholarship for the upcoming season. Right. So you, keep, you give it to him for the rest of Does his it, career here. That's how it works? I, I don't you think don't do so. One year, you get a one-year scholarship? One yes. Year? People no. do this. Who does that for walk on tight? Oh, come on, man. Anyway, is there, do you have anything else that you personally are feeling optimistic about other than Rob Banks uh, getting a scholarship for three years? Two. Is, he was a freshman last year. Uh, he's a junior. Is he? According to GoBearCats.com. Interesting. He was a freshman in 2020, a sophomore in 2021. Is and it now 2021? Well, 2020, 20, 2019 to 2020, freshman, 2020 to 2021, sophomore. This year, he's a junior. Oh, you're right. Rob Banks was here, uh, Brandon's first year, wasn't he? Yeah. Cool. Um, 
But you asked me the question, who, what am I optimistic about? I'm optimistic about Jeremiah Davenport being a first team all conference. He was preseason second team. I'm confident that he's going to finish the season uh, first team within the conversation of top five in the conference. I'm glad you brought up Jeremiah Davenport. If we're going to be talking about optimism, honestly, the conversation probably should start with, with that should with, be the number one thing. <laughs> the conversation should start with Jeremiah Davenport being the leader of our team. Um, his freshman to sophomore leap was absolutely incredible. His usage rate somehow remained the same. When you think about that, that's insane to think about, right? He played very, he played sparingly his freshman year was more of an energy guy. Didn't have much success making shots, energy off the bench, you know, versatile could defend some bigs, maybe grab a couple rebounds, hit the occasional shot transition dunk. Came back his sophomore year, had essentially an identical usage rate, yet three-point percentage skyrocketed up to like 37%, I think. Um, Became a player who, when he shot, it was more of an expectation that goes in. Like a legitimate knockdown shooter at 6'6", 6'7". Incredible. Um, And then as the season progressed, you started seeing Jeremiah add like, dribble moves from the three-point line to the mid-post area, at kind of like a semi-post turnaround J, kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this guy going to turn into like a legitimate go-to scorer? Because with his size, his shooting ability, that seems like it could be in the cards now. And we know that his work ethic and enthusiasm and love and passion for the game are truly unparalleled. And I think that that bodes well for a guy who can see another leap in his junior season. And, and when he's the linchpin for the team, he can, he can fix a lot of problems for us. I guess is all I'm saying. Well, you're not wrong. I mean, he definitely fixed a lot of problems, um, but it, I'll give you, I'll give you the props here. Cause he was 37, 37 rounding up 38% from three 50 8% rounding up from the field. His free throw percentage shooters is probably one of the better in UC histories, recent histories at a respectable 77%. I'm not going to argue with, with what he did. What I think he also brings is a little bit of the X factor. He seems to have that, that it factor around him. We saw that freshman year, which is why I'm swear. Like you, we talk about reading the tea leaves a lot. We didn't see it coming. We, we put him in as our uh, odd man out last year. Clearly is not the case. But if you read the tea leaves, his freshman year, every time he came in, he was always, he wasn't afraid to step up to the challenge, always came in with an energy. When he stepped on the court, it seemed to just uplift everybody 10%. He did that last year. I think that's what he brings also this year. Just, that's the, that's the, uh, the, the intangible asset that he's bringing. He has this game, which is good and getting better, but he brings that it factor that he's a true leader for the squad. Uh, someone who's, honestly, he's going to be great. We have a lot of younger players who are going to be able to look up to him for that role model. And he also brings a lot of energy on the defensive side of the defensive side of, yeah, defensive side of the court as well. At FanFest, Jeremiah Davenport was casually dribbling down the court and pulling up in Jarrett Hensley's eye again and again and again and again. And I don't say that 
as a way to 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 downgrade what Jarrett Hensley's doing because honestly, he's a very exciting prospect. Sophomore, huge wingspan, shooting ability, huge Dirk Nowitzki turnaround. Like he, he was doing some freaky things at FanFest himself. But Jeremiah Davenport was far and away the most impressive player during a FanFest scrimmage. And I know it's a casual pickup scrimmage that's offense only. Hard for big men to thrive. There's plenty of reasons you can say and dismiss that that I should have any sort of opinion from that from that scrimmage. But it is nice to see your best player, best returning player come out and show even more, right? I'm showing that I have a pull-up jumper in transition, a Pujit. I'm showing you that I have um, worked on my handle. It's tighter this season. You mentioned the free throw percentage. He's not someone who is who got to the line a lot last year. If his handle's tighter and and Mike Rayfelt got in the in the gym with this guy, which we know he did, and his athleticism and, qu- and quickness and, and explosiveness go up a level, which they certainly can under Mike Rayfelt, well, what if he's getting to the rim now? What if he's actually getting to the line and getting easier points, plus the three point range, plus the ability to not necessarily need the ball to be a to to be an elite scorer? Don't be he's honey dicky here. The gravity, the gravity he'll have as a shooter where the defense has to always know exactly where he is. All I'm saying is the sky is the limit with Jeremiah Davenport. When you, when you factor in that attitude, you mentioned our, our miss in terms of his being, him being the odd man out. The lesson learned from that is, Hey, if someone loves basketball this much and has this type of charisma and, and energy, and it's, it's absolutely transferable to the rest of the team. You can't sleep on a guy like that. And Jeremiah Davenport is, is a coach's dream. You can tell he already has an amazing relationship with Wes Miller. And, and of course, Der- Davenport being our best player, the leader of our team, is a reason for optimism. What you just said there, that love of basketball is why you can't sleep on Mason Madsen either. No doubt cannot be sleeping on him. He's another reason for optimism. I think we're going to have to split this one up into two. Like we're going to have to give you the reason why we're not optimistic next next podcast. Cause uh, I'm just, I'm just brimming with optimism here as we're going through this Mason Madsen, you showed the video. Uh, I think it's still on Twitter. You might have to search to do our, our tweets at some point to find it, but you posted a video of him making how many uh, was it? 21, 20, he, he had a 20, he had a 24 point round in I think the the Mm. first round of the three-point competition. And when he was getting hot, he was getting hot. His, his, his shot looks like it's improved. His confidence is, is brimming. We know we've seen the videos of him actually uh, dunking balls now, which I do not expect him to be a prolific dunker, but we've seen it happening. Uh, 40, 40 plus inch vertical. Yeah. 40 inch vertical. He's going to throw it down when he gets a chance, throw it down, throw it down, throw it Uh, down, big man, throw it down. Yeah, so I'm excited about him, though, especially because we're hearing about the stories coming out or uh, stories or anecdotes about Wes Miller being like, hey, Mason, you don't need to be the guy who just catches the ball and shoots. Work on work on the uh, off the ball game, the dribble game. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Optimism there. Well, kind of what we can probably curb optimism, kind of wrap it up and summarize it with saying because it doesn't mean we're not optimistic about these other players, but you mentioned Mason's love of the game. AJ McGinnis was on the podcast with us last week. And the thing he said about the team culture, it was as if these guys needed no time to gel 
and, and love each other and kind of build that camaraderie that you need in an elite basketball program, they already have it. I mean, it's, it's, you can see it visibly when you watch these amazing Eichel Davis videos that they put out about the team practicing and playing together and, and kind of being bought in for each other. But look at the leaders of the team. Look at a selfless player like Shuey, who has never been about himself and always willing to just make the right play and play whatever role is necessary to try and win games. Look at Jeremiah Davenport, who we just talked about being one of the most, you know, charismatic players in Bearcat history, frankly. Uh, Mason Madsen, the work ethic, David DeJulius in the, in the gym nonstop. This is a very likable team. And that's why everybody's so excited. There's a ton of question marks and it's not a given that it's going to be a tournament team even, but there's, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic and it does feel like there's a really good shot that we maximize whatever this team can be. Uh, agreed. There is a lot of uncertainty here. Projected record per Kempom 17 and 14, seven, 11 in conference play uh, to get to a tournament. We need what? 22, 23. Yeah, with our schedule, I mean, we're probably looking at like needing 24, 24 victories to, to really make make noise and get get an at yeah. bit at least. Hummer, are we getting into the caution or are we going to save caution for next Sunday? Let's save caution for next Sunday because I like feeling I like going to bed feeling giddy, feeling happy. And I, I don't want to I don't want to bring this party to a crashing halt because uh, there are a lot of question marks with this team. We don't know. There's these things we don't know. And frankly, uh, it's getting late and I don't know if I want to get into what I don't know. It's officially midnight and there's plenty. I could go on and on and on about why I'm excited and talking about individual players. And we're hoping to have some special guests on the, in the coming weeks where we'll do more of that and learn more about the guys. In the meantime, I do think it's a great idea from a basketball perspective to leave it where it is right now. Being excited, being, being optimistic about the culture and, and the makeup of this team. But there are legitimate reasons to have some caution. There's a reason we're using the phrase cautious optimism about the Cincinnati Bearcats. So we'll get into that next Sunday. We're going to pair a little bit of basketball talk and sprinkle it in with football after what I'm sure will be an absolutely compelling matchup against Navy. I th I'm sure we're just going to have tons to talk about after that game. Look, here's what's really going to happen. We're going to try and split up the episodes, but we're just going to be so dang excited about both sports that you're going to get a little bit of dose of each. It's going to be fine. We're going to love it because at the end of the day, these are our beloved Bearcats. Big beep thick. <laughs> of all Wes the times, to, of all Miller. the times to self-censor. That's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. We have F-bombs galore on this podcast. It feels like three. And you're not willing to say big. There, were, there was three at most. I can remember two of them. So there's two that I'm confident three. There's maybe a third one sneaking in trying to keep down to minimum, but either way, look, this is an exciting time. I'm sorry for being passionate. Sorry for loving my bear cats. I'm sorry I, I for partying. Sorry for partying. This is what happens when we record a podcast starting at 10 PM. I'll just say that now. Hummer, it's without all, further ado, let's get it. Let's get into the Sam Elliott segment and uh, talk a little gambling for the upcoming Navy Cincinnati matchup. We are now joined by Sam Elliott, gambling guru, the semantics on Twitter. Sam, 
welcome back to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast. It's a pleasure to be here with the two of you once again. And um, you don't sound excited. Yeah, that was oh, incredibly mellow. Incredibly mellow. That that's something I noticed actually last week. I wanted to give kudos to Hummer. Stepped in admirably. Did a good job hosting the podcast for the first time uh, in his in his young well, half of it. We only had ha- we only had half of it. <laughs> That's right. I just I did enjoy how how you know you seemed like you had some butterflies. You seemed excited. You seemed nervous. It was good tension in the air. I think from you hosting. How what what was the experience like? Let us in. Let us in the mind of Hummer. I mean, my head's getting a little big. You know, one day I'm, I'm thinking about you know a promotion. Right now, I'm just the VP of Cincy Slangin', you know, so um, I'm gunning for uh, CEO. I'm gunning for it. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny. We're just going to lay it all out there, Hummer. The first thing I you talk, you talked to me after recording the podcast, and I think the first idea you floated to me was like, you know, it's probably not a bad idea for me to go full cowherd sometimes, and just record like a 15-minute segment by myself. <laughs> Told you, big head, man. Big head, big dreams. People, what they want. <laughs> he went from, from the, the comments. Someone gonna be like, "No, no, please, Lord Hummer, don't do that. Don't do that." Give the people what I, they want. I suspect that there's a a a nice, sizable group of people that would love to hear Hummer just fucking rant, unchained for fifty. Hummer, Hummer, unchained, and that's exactly that's exactly it, hum, uh, Sam. We will have to call it Hummer Unchained. We will label the podcast accordingly. And these special 15 minute hits of just Hummer off the dome. I think pure adrenaline. <laughs> we will be we will be in trouble, but it will be glorious. It will be a ball of fire. I I this is this isn't what I want it to be, but I'm gonna throw out that we've I think we talked about this guy before. The the best, like in my mind, 15 minutes of opposing team podcasting that i've ever witnessed listened to was like the i think it was the always irish guy who just had a full-on like 10 minute meltdown that was incredible to listen to if you were a bearcat fan if you're a notre dame fan i can only imagine that you hated every second of what he was saying but it was just incredible and i want to channel that energy at some point and just to see if see if it works there's probably a market for a podcast that is basically a forum. Like you are offering a forum for meltdowns. Like if you were a fan of a team and you love them and you truly love them, like come to our podcast, we will give yeah, you the that's mic. Like what, that's call. That's call in talk radio. It's, yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. But this is like, we're just going to aggregate it across the nation and whoever, whichever sports team, really just blew it the night before either they lost a game they weren't supposed to choked away a big lead whatever the case may be you know as as the team that beat them if you want to just go soak and live and bask in that in that uh you know misery from that opposing fan base you know to tune into that podcast the next day because they will have recorded you know some unhinged fan at 115 in the morning seven beers deep you know just spewing the most ungodly all about their own team i think people would like that you know i actually we have the mechanism to do this i have a work phone that i do not use like i don't i don't that phone number attached to my work phone is not my phone number that i use for work 
we could just troll people on Twitter, convince them, trick them into calling this phone number to to leave their opinions. It's like the voicemail. Just post that phone number out to Twitter. Anybody can call it at any time, and we will uh, we'll read it. We'll, we'll let we'll let the listeners bask in the glorious of what happens on that voicemail. You know, the other thing I want to start doing while it's on my mind, um, when you guys are leaving reviews, leave reviews for the podcast on iTunes. If you leave us a five-star review and in that five-star review, you put a question in there, we will read your question and answer it no matter what the question is. (laughs) The cheapest, the cheapest bribe or incentive. I'm not even sure. Is that a true incentive to leave us a five-star review? Yes. Ask us anything in the five-star review. We will read them. Look, we're approaching a thousand followers on Twitter. We're going to have to gear up. We're getting excited about it. Yeah. So we want to get some, we want to get some reviews out there on air and ask us some funny questions, ask us some serious questions, whatever you want. We'll read, we'll read them live. The last thing I'll say before we get into the actual meat and potatoes of this podcast, which is gambling. um, (laughs) We do have a special guest lined up for our to celebrate essentially our 50,000th download of the podcast which is coming up very very soon um and i'm just going to refer to him as listener one that's what we're going to know him as listener one will be joining the podcast to tell his story of uc fandom and i think i think folks are really going to enjoy it it's a unique story i personally am captivated by it i'm looking forward to learning more about it that's a little tease uh, for for our for our fifty thousandth stream, so the the more we downloads we get, the faster we'll get to that 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 captivating and compelling interview. Um, without further ado, let's get into Sam and talk oh, some gambling. That was oh, such a tease. Another another bribe, but uh, that was an incredible digression we just went through there, all because Hummer hosted a podcast. Sam, let's get into gambling. <laughs> So before we get started with with kind of the the lines for Navy and what other other uh, whatever other lines you want to share with us, give us an update as to where we stand on the season uh, with our units. Oh, so of many course. units. Of course, that's what you guys want to start with. Yeah, man, I want to see how big my units are. I thought we always started like this. This is not what the people want to hear about. And my. Do people we not do the wanna... update? What are we doing it for if we're not going to keep track of it? Yeah, I thought we're we had like uh, I thought we had Homer, something on the line here. Is there like Hummer's up big? Hummer's up big, <laughs> eight and two on the year. If you're following Hummer's bets, you're raking them in. Hummer's up eight. They're seven point six. Coomer, you're behind at plus four, plus four point six, and your boy is uh, positive. Make we're above the we're in the green plus one. How how convenient that you are now magically in the green after one week, and I thought you were in a tremendous hole. So that seems fishy at best. Tremendous Sa- is a bit. Sam, you are exactly. low energy right now, bro. I'm gonna need you. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to step go. your energy up. I know it's yeah, 10 30 dude. PM. I'm jacked up. I I I watched the latest Wired Wednesday of Bearcats practice, and it was Coach Fickle this week. So I'm ready to like hit somebody. Lots of whistling, lots of whistling in that episode. Elite whistling, yeah. Luke Fickle. Yeah, lots of whistling. A like noticeable lack of 
dancing. I feel like there's always somebody dancing. Yeah, a, a much different vibe. I, I was I was noticing, I kind of ripped through a few of those at one time. The theme with players is that they seem to they find their catchphrase for the Wired Wednesday and they they hit that catchphrase again and again and again and again. You know, if it was if it was Sauce Gardner, I think it was, I think it was like I'm I'm from the East Side where there's no Taco Bell, no Taco Bell, something like that. And I <laughs> I butchered that quote, I'm sure. Um, not sure the song that was. Be still my heart. But, but it was I love Taco Bell. Uh, so that that's sad. That's a sad story to hear. There was no Taco Bell. Um, who else was there? But I think it's like just think about it. I feel like it's like over the course of a couple hours if you, of practice time, like think about it as if if you had like a song stuck in your head and you just like have to keep like mumbling it out, saying it to yourself, sing, you know, speaking it out there. You have a microphone on. You're going to catch that. Uh, right. I mean, during the during the last I basketball season, it. I couldn't stop my myself from saying, you know, why is the coach doing the things he's doing? Why did, and I just kept saying it over and over again and sounded like a broken. That's what happens. Sam, let's, uh, let's, let's get into the lines for the week, heading to Annapolis, playing the Naval Academy this coming week. Uh, The Bearcats have played two games so far in the American athletic. It's like the second or third, the last time we'll ever play Navy. Are we in countdown mode for the last time we're going to play all these crappy teams in the American athletic conference? We're, we're in nostalgia mode already. I'm not. I'm not feeling very nostalgic. I'm this, not gonna miss this conference. This no. season yeah. is more about like blood. It's bloodlust. I'm just. It's more like, yeah, we're playing Navy, and I want to go in there and beat them 63 to two. Like I, I just, <laughs> I just want you know a bad snap in the end zone, and and that's the two points that Navy gets. Uh, but yeah, we beat Temple 52 to three. Followed that up. The safety on us. <laughs> followed. <laughs> I that followed that up with a, you probably a get incredible. Last play, we want it to be that. the last play of the game, two points, and it and it hits the over. <laughs> so then we beat uh Central Florida, went up 35 nothing, ended up winning that game 56 30. No, no, oh, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. 56 21 victory over Central Florida. Look, it wouldn't be possible without UCF for us to win that big. They paved the way. For all the success that you see, definitely paved the way for that one. They paved the way for all the success. So thank you, UCF, for getting destroyed last week. And thank you for allowing us to work our way to being the number two team in the country. By the way, very much well deserved number two. You know, someone pointed out uh, Peach Bowl last year was Georgia Dogs versus Cincy Bearcats, one and two. Here we are. The only way it's going to be more perfect is when Georgia loses a game and we 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 are number re- one rolling into the playoffs. A rematch would be really fun. I think mm. we I think we need to start a fundraiser for Central Florida and their fans, and it needs to be, I don't know, some sort of GoFundMe where we can buy a brick, and on that brick we can engrave their contributions uh, to to G five successes like it. With all of this talk, like I, it's unbelievable how many accounts talk about paving the way. And so maybe what they really are looking for uh, is just one of those nice bricks that you see. Like if you're a family that, that sent some sort of like $500 check to a school, you get a brick on the ground where it says, you know, 
Jim and Pam Halpert <laughs> donated such and such money. It doesn't even tell you what they did, but their name is on a brick at the, at the front of the school. Yeah. With it's about- in like the entrance to the football field or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Central Florida can have one of those. Like that's, like we'll, you guys can have a brick. We'll give you a brick. Your contribution, as well as everybody else's. Like you're no different. You're not that special, but you get a brick. We'll give you a brick. Put you there next to the, you know, next to the local gas station and the, the family who bought a brick in honor of their grandma <laughs> and we can basically use it and, and put it our, their brick will go at the entrance of our new 60 million dollar practice facility that's on the verge of being built uh and we could say thank you thank you here's a brick for you uh, central florida golden knights i maintain that the big 12 made a mistake and should have taken at memphis over central florida now, uh, I hear you on that, but I'll, I'll slightly disagree. Well, let's Sam, let's, Sam, let's Sam lay out the case. Like, let's see what his case is. I, I haven't heard I anybody know. say it besides him. I was, always a, I was just always a sucker for the UC Memphis hoops rivalry for some reason. Oh, that, I always thought that was fun. And, I mean, they're just a, like, legitimately much more – Say what you like. Say what you will about John Calipari, John Calipari, but they are just like a much more storied and historic program and university, like college basketball institution. And look, maybe you know. You're you're arguing not the best sales present day. Programs are not the strongest, but it's a it's a it's a fine market. Wait, Orlando? Come on, who cares? Orlando is one of the larger larger TV markets in the United States. You have UCF, and I will give them some credit for being a relatively new program to the scene of, of Division One football in that they have had a good amount of success. And I think given the resources that they have, that they're going to be getting, they can continue that success. And I think they're going to continue. The thing that, that sucks about UCF in particular is their basketball program is horrendous. Um, exactly. it's, it's trash, but basketball isn't what drives, it's no. not what drives the ship anymore. It's football. And that's where UCF does have a little bit more of a, a brand presence. The fact that that game on our schedule, even though they were terrible this past week was still hyped up in our minds, even though we knew what was going to happen, we knew we were going to thrash them and we still cared because it is it, for them. It's, it's a brand. They do have a brand that's been established and the football brand is better than Memphis's football brand. Bigger school, Florida market. Um, the football piece is obviously important. I've, I've been a lifelong college basketball fan, first and foremost. And then one day, I sort of like grew up in real. I was naive. I knew nothing. And one day I grew up and realized that basketball mattered not at all. And that football is what moved and drove everything in college sports. It's like, oh, okay, maybe, eh, you know, maybe, maybe this matters. Like, oh, okay, like there. Football, and, and that's what's going to get us to where we want to go. So, uh, thank okay. you, Luke Fickle. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, we're only we're 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 what three three years away but you, from being oh, a blue blood basketball program when we're playing Kansas year in and year out, home and aways, and we're beating them because we're we deserve to be in the same stratosphere as Kansas. 
right? We are the top 15, top 10 by some matrices, whether it's winning as program of all time or it just top 10 program in the history of college basketball, according to CBS sports. So I, we are a blue blood and we get to play now traditional blue bloods year in and year out on a regular basis. We didn't even really get that in, in the big East. When you talk about like blue bloods, there weren't any repeat national champions at the time until Villanova in the big East. And so we we're getting that opportunity now and it's going to be incredible the stage that we're going to be put on the big 12 and the, and the amount of fun fundraising that we're going to get from that. It's going to be incredible. Look, I think UCF is a better choice. I don't think Memphis. Sam was arguing against the big 12 being good for us. No, I know that, but I think in long, what I'm saying is I'm circling it back <laughs> around. To that Sam wasn't UCF, saying Memphis over UC. He UC, was saying UCF <laughs> is the better choice simply because they're going to drive the football program, which is the money. And in our benefit from them driving the money in football with us, is that we get to play Blue Buds and we are a Blue Blood school. No longer do we have to worry about Mick Cronin talking about going through the back door to get into a recruit's living room. We're going to bust through the front fucking door. All right. <laughs> Wes think- Miller is going to bust through the front door of these recruits and it's going to be amazing. We're going to win a national championship within the next decade. Wes Miller's not coming through the front door. Wes Miller's been invited in through the garage. Like he's already in the car. They pulled him in. He's coming in through that 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 family only garage door. Wes Miller's already coming through that that private use only garage door that that not many coaches get access to. So uh, everybody out. knows everybody knows your friends go through the garage door. It's that's a right. salesman who go to that's, the front. That's a special door. That's a special door you go through. Sam, this I, is an unbelievably distracted podcast, and I'm proud of it. Give well, us you guys keep talking, the lines, you guys keep talking us, about. We've been you guys to talk keep talking basketball. about Central Florida being good. <laughs> However, they lost to Navy of all people. Circle, bring it yeah. all back around. Navy is one. In, Navy is one in five on the season, and their one victory is over Central Florida. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> they were a fifteen-point underdog in that game. Um, but uh, yeah, so since then, though, they have lost. Covered against, covered but lost to Southern SMU, and and then Memphis. Memphis beat them by covered but lost. 18. Covered but lost at Memphis, yeah. But so, so they're three and three covers. against the spread on the year. But yeah, their Mem- Navy just not a good team. Um, running the triple option, so once you get behind, it's really hard to come back. So Cincinnati going to pound it on early and often give me the lines Tell, over, like what, what are we looking over at by halftime what are we Once looking at here what what's cincinnati's you know what's the oh. line at what's the over under open yeah. opened at 24 bearcats by 24 right now sitting at like 27 and a half uh this went to tw- like 28 at one spot so like right at that like four touchdown mark once again and over under right right at 49 so hovering between 48 and a half to 50 like I'm, going, I'm going to go either i'm i'm not going to go broke this game but i know i'm going to parlay all my units onto the <laughs> uc covering and the over <laughs> let, me, let me give you the full the full little menu of uh of other well, they won't stuff. let me parlay just, the the quarter one so <laughs> just for the first half cuz this one's been fun and consistent this week it's 14 and a half uh, over under of 28. I don't know. I like that one. You never know about, but 14 and a half 
unless Navy really does go on a good 10 plus minute drive. That seems very doable. Yeah, Navy's uh, strategy is certainly going to be keep away. And once again, this is the same. These, I swear, these are the same every week of the first quarter. You get Bearcats by seven uh, over under this week is 10 and a half. I guess they think if Navy gets one possession, it could take that majority of that first quarter. But I'm sorry, I'm not that worried about it. I feel like this defense it can get their can get their act together and and learn how to cover a triple option defense uh, offense. Yeah, it unfortunately, that. it can't they, be that much of a. We challenge. saw them last year with it, and we we didn't really struggle against it. So I don't I don't think I'm too worried about uh, our ability to to stop Navy. The only thing that does scare me about this game, one thing that scares me, and it's because Purdue has me terrified with their ability to right. always upset people every year. Notre or uh, Notre Dame Navy. The last time they played a number two ranked team, I think it was South Carolina in their stadium, was like in 1984, but they beat them. So here's the history, not repeating Great itself. Nugget there. <laughs> Navy's starting um, quarterback has thrown 21 passes this season. So we're not going to have any interceptions. They're last year. Right, last right. The they last actually two. naturally negate one of our biggest strengths on defense. But at the same time, are you expecting a one, a, a single faceted offense to, to again, like we, we talked about. Have you about seen this. our quarterbacks? Have you seen our linebackers? I'm not it's worried not about like, a triple offense. A triple, a it's triple not like our, rush, I'm not saying I'm worried. I'm not worried. Been, it's not like our rush defense has been bad. So no, it's been quite good. I would say. The over, the Navy over under team total like the team total for Navy is nine and a half. Wow, like, they're not going to. I think that's I think points. that's aggressive. That's a great uh, line though. No, I think it's a terrible line. I mean, if you're betting it, yeah, take the under. Uh, I'd take the under on that all day. They're they, they might score a touchdown in garbage time, but if they're throwing 21 passes on the season at six games in, uh, let me do the math here. Uh, I'm going to pull up the old calculator here. Um, you know, 21, six, that's three and a half passes a game, guys, three and a half passes a game. They're going to be running the ball on the ground. They're going to get stuffed. We're going to see sauce. Just make some crazy tackles all game. Uh, the big dogs Hot. are going to eat Hot and sauce. they're going to score much less than nine by much less. They might score three. They're, they're not going to score the triple option against us. They're going to have to start. They're going to have to pull something out of the playbook. Uh, which they probably don't have. So yeah, team total nine minus nine. I'm taking the under on that. Uh, well, the, the Bearcats team total real quick, 37 and a half. So Over. That seems. It, that's it, the it, one. I, that's the one I'm slamming. Everything. Like, yeah. Put, put everything is just a matter of how many possessions. Navy's offense. They're going three and out. Have, I'm not worried about it, but. Exactly. If you're not worried about that, then the number of possessions should certainly lean towards uh, overs on offense, right? I, I, I would day, assume the, so. I don't. There's no. There's no reasonable path for Navy to make this a game. There's just not. Um, can they put a drive together? Probably. Yeah. Probably. They could probably put a drive together, especially when leads 35, nothing leads happen. 
Um, I love the Bearcats over on 37 and a half. I think that's, to me, that feels a bit like a layup. So mark me down for, for a unit on that over. Um, also mark me down for a Bearcats to cover 27 and a half or 28, uh, wherever the line is right now. I am, I am very happy to, to take those. And, uh, and honestly, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Navy over. I'm going to take Navy over nine and a half as well. Who I'm, are you? I'm allocating three units on this game. Bearcats over on their total Bearcats to cover and also Navy to shock the world and to go over nine and a half. That's embarrassing. I like it. Who knows? I don't like that at all. That's I don't like it, but I like that you like, I like that you are <laughs> I respect your, your I respect your opinion as a human respect being. Your, I'm going to stay away that from opinion the is wrong. team total personally, but you do you. My I man. will be, I will be putting my money where my mouth is literally. Uh, in the, this week, I'm going to. I I believe in these three. No, no, don't do it. Hummer's been begging me not to. It's happening. Don't do week. it, man. No, not this week. <laughs> do it for basketball, man. Not not. Don't don't do this. And Guys, he, look. There is this thing we've talked about this in the past. It is real. It's called the Coomer Jinx, and it happens when real money is involved. Well, you can't talk not about it too much. Miles. Can't talk about it too much. So, but beer miles are involved here. Whatever we bet, I don't remember what the bet is from the beginning of the season. But he, he you can't do that. And plus, I don't want to see you actively rooting for Navy to score against our defense when we need the biggest possible victories out of every single team we're playing this year. Well, I'm not going to root for them to score. I'm just making predictions. Okay. Yeah, you're making predictions, but you're talking about I'm going to put some money on. Now you're going to be like, oh, man, if Navy doesn't score this field goal, uh, All right, well, maybe, uh, maybe I lose I If lose it makes you bucks. feel better, I'll just do Cincinnati to cover, and I'll, I will also take the Cincinnati over. Um, any Anything about Navy specifically, okay. I will I will quiet down on and pipe down on. But tell well, me you gotta where do, you got to par, parlay it. Allocate your your units, gentlemen. Let's allocate your units so we can wrap this up. I'm going with the tried and true staples. Uh, all hit last week. They're going to hit this week. Cover for the game. Cover for the first half. Bearcats cover for the first quarter. Minus seven. That's too easy. Hummer. All right. Well, I got I got a lot of units here to play with. Uh, definitely going to parlay uh, four Did you units. Just bite your lip. Yeah, thinking about this here. I'm parlaying. Got some got some math to do here. Going to parlay four units with the Bearcats covering and the over. All right, we're going to have a final score with a five in front of it, at least just from the Bearcats side of it. Um, not worried about not worried about that at all. I'm going to take the remaining units because I'm so confident in the Bearcats having that that over with the, the score with a five in front of it. We're going to put that in the Bearcat over. I love it. So there's no shortage of confidence heading into this matchup with Navy. Absolutely um, not. Homer's hot. He Homer's on a on a Homer's on a heater. <laughs> Sam, make sure you're writing these up in the note. Post them on Twitter before the game. I'll get it out. I'll get um, it out there this week. Hold us sure. accountable for our for our unit allocations. And, Look, uh, we're we're all we're in the green. We are. We're all doing well for ourselves. And and frankly, all it right. has very little to do with gambling acumen. Much more to do with when you're bullish on the Bearcats, it, it goes pretty well for you this season. This is the year. 
All right, before before uh, because Kumar was already talking about wrapping up, and we can't I can't let it, we do we can't do that yet. We got some we got some other action out there that pertains that might be interesting for Bearcat fans to keep an eye on. The uh, first one being are you doing basketball. No, we could okay. do basketball solo, but no, got, I'd rather do basketball oh, next week. So don't oh, do hold on, I got some, I got some good ones week. here. All right, fine. Go all right, we got Oklahoma, Kansas, barn burner right here. Oh my God, what a waste of our time! Are you serious? <laughs> Absolutely, that's what you led with. No, no, for the national. No. I'm, cu- I'm cutting this off. There this are completely unhinged. There are no games. There are no games except for one Ohio, that I actually want to see. Ohio State, Ohio State minus twenty at IU. At IU, IU is also in my mind an annual Purdue. They're always they due got for one a good in upset them every year. They got they one got in. One. Them. This is the one. This is the one that's going to happen. Indiana is going to upset Ohio State. We need Notre Dame to cover the seven and blow out. I'm going to throw my out. .6 units left, and I'm going to put that on, a, on the oh. money line, Indiana. He wants the Hoosiers. As Stephen A. once said, stay off the weed. <laughs> Gentlemen. Looking forward to watching the Bearcats demolish Navy. Until next week, Sam, next week, incorporate basketball props into our picks. I think we need to start chatting basketball season-long props next week. Bearcats were predicted to finish sixth in the American Athletic Conference, so I think that leaves us open to a lot of interpretation. Uh, We are a bit like a Rorschach, where... Different people are going to see different things. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm more bullish than what the prognosticators are expecting so far, but I'm also extremely biased. So we'll leave it there, Sam. We'll come back next week, talk about the Bearcats football team, Bearcats basketball team, and, and less about uh, Hummer taking over the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast and making it a solo rant network for himself. Yeah. <laughs> Two second teaser: Vegas likes the likes the Bearcats a little bit better than the media poll there. All right, go Bearcats! Uh, go Bearcats, boys!